Hey, everybody. Welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here, and I'm super excited to welcome our guest for the day, Representative Jeff Zinger, who represents the North Carolina District 74 in the North Carolina House. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us today. And while some people might find this to be a political topic, the topic we're addressing today is a societal epidemic, in my opinion, and I think yours too. So we are not talking politics, but we are going to talk about the broad issue of fatherlessness in our society today. So thank you so much for joining me and for your interest in this topic too. Yeah, glad to be here on it. This is something that I have uh, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, but when I look at what's going on around our country and our societal uh, problems, you know, there's one common denominator. There's one thing that links every single one of them, and it's fatherless homes. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like this issue is largely ignored, maybe ignored is too big of a word, but probably suppressed is more fair in greater society. But it doesn't take long to find devastating statistics about children of all races, of all um, socioeconomic statuses, of married, of unmarried, all of those things. There is a general trend of fatherlessness, especially in the home, that seems to have a devastating effect on outcomes. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because fatherlessness is an equal opportunity destroyer, is how right. I like to put it. Right. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't matter um, what the group of people is, however you want to divide it up, it makes no difference. Fatherlessness has the exact same impact all the way along the line. And when yeah. you look at um, issues like, you know, incarceration, you know, folks that have come from fatherless homes are something like eight times more likely to be incarcerated. Um, yeah. You know, and just like that, it's, it's issue after issue after issue. And as a society, maybe I should back up. You know, I did, <clears throat> I came from a fatherless home. Um, it was very, very difficult circumstances. I was the oldest of three kids and um, we struggled very, very mightily. And, um, and then I went and went into Baltimore city and I worked um, doing urban ministry with teenagers all across that city for 13 years. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you look at our urban centers, particularly like the Northeastern cities, which is much more compact, <clears throat> you see every, nobody, ha nobody has to say, Oh, look at this devastation. It's very, very obvious. Right. And so, um, but the one common denominator is it's all fatherlessness. All the kids that I worked with, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, yeah, virtually all of them, fatherless, and and not just fatherless, but generational. You know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like they were the first generation in their family to have that happen. We've got communities where we're third, fourth, fifth generation down the road. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm. I'm. I have a some statistics pulled up here. Um, and I, I don't think that we need to convince our audience that this is a problem and a real life thing. Um, but just a couple of statistics. Um, and this is from 2008, which this is obviously an outdated number, but 40.6% of all newborns in the United States were born to parents who weren't married, first of all. 
Um, and, and that's staggering in and of itself. But um, it, it sounds like about 20% of all fathers do not take any part in parenting their biological children. That's a, that's a lot. That 20% is a huge number. And I, I'm sure, again, that's probably outdated. That's from the previous census. So I'm guessing that's from um, 2010. Um, and so we have this staggering problem. And my question for you, Jeff, with your background and, and especially your position now, where do you think that, what, what do you think if, if we can pinpoint a couple of societal ills that have gotten us to this place, what would you say that those are? What's interesting, if you go back, I, you know, I'd wanted to go back and kind of look at the history and say, you know, how did we get here? And mm -hmm. when you go back to 1960, um, what I found was the fatherless rate was about 20 percent and um, people growing up in fatherless homes was about 20 percent. But that was pretty much the same all the way across the board. It didn't matter how you divided the pie. That's the way it was. Mm -hmm. If you take, for instance, the African-American community, by the time it got to 19 70, it was 28%. By the time it got to 1980, it was 39%. Mm. Now it's up to about 66%. And every other people group moved up at the same, it's the same way, but they, um, not as much necessarily as the African American community. But what I think that is decided to keep in mind that the 60s was a time when people were rebelling against institutions you know that was the the uh, the hippie movement you know Woodstock all of that and so people were throwing off um, you know these traditional institutions and norms but what they it, what they were really doing is throwing off responsibility um, right started to become as a society I believe at that point more me centered you know it's interesting I, I think the greatest example of that is I remember as a teenager, there was a magazine that would always be on the magazine stand whenever you checked out the grocery store. It's called Us. Mm -hmm. If you go yeah. to the grocery store right now, you'll see one there that says Self. Wow. What a difference, huh? Yeah. Um, and so as we become more um, uh, focused and then you, you, you know, we start to talk about, well, my truth and your truth and this and that. I mean, it just, it, all of it leads to becoming more self-centered. And what that does is, um, uh, when you're more self-centered, it's easier to convince yourself, well, you know, I didn't sign up for this. I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what's really sad, I feel like, is in society, rather than approaching it head on, goes ahead and comes up with new terms and new things to kind of pretend it's not there. You know, um, like one of the terms that I hate is the idea of toxic masculinity. You right. know, mas real masculinity is not toxic. <laughs> it's a I would agree. I would agree fully. But what we have is what I like to call it is perpetual adolescence. You know, mm. when you get kids that are that are abandoned by a father, moms are doing the best that they can do. The best, the best single mom out there is not a dad. Mm -hmm. And the worst single mom out there is still doing better than the man that left. But what happens is, is these kids end up being, you know, like I was latchkey kid. I was a latchkey kid before that was ever a term. You know, right. there's never been anybody at home. There's nobody there to lead you. Fortunately, there were a few men in my life that I could look to and just kind of said, hmm, well, if I've got to choose, I want to be like that. 
But by the time it goes to a second generation and a third generation, now it's generational and it's normal. And so, you know, in a lot of the communities that I ran in in the city, it was normal for it to be fatherless and, in fact, like kind of expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go and we go even further. I saw an interview. Uh, it was probably about a month ago. I don't remember. I'm not a big sports fan, so I don't remember the athlete. But it was some athlete, and he was had, you know, the huge thing of microphones there in front of him and all the press. And they casually made the comment that he has six baby mamas. Wow. Ah. Well, you know, my first thought was, okay, there's a 12-year-old boy out there someplace mm-hmm. with no dad, no men around, and he's looking and going, I want to be like him. Oh, the reality is, is, is becoming a professional athlete, <laughs> very, very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Having yeah. baby mamas, not so much. Um, and so for me, I feel like if you look at societies in the, in, in, throughout history, there's always been a kind of a, uh, like a bar mitzvah, for instance, is a, is a sign of when you're moving from being a kid to being a man. And expectations are laid out in that this is what it takes. You know, you don't become a man because a boy grows older. That that doesn't that doesn't make a man. And so, anyway, um, I really feel like that as a society, that's where we have failed. Is and 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 here's the reason why: it's hard work. It hurts to be able to you know to to get involved and to also say some things. You know, hey, this isn't right. We've got to hold some people accountable. There are a lot of people that don't like to do that. I mean, I do not enjoy doing that. Right. But now look what it's reek. What it's what it's wreaking is havoc on our whole society. Right. And, and so that's really I feel like we're really at a crossroads. We've got I, to pendulum's got to swing back. Sure. And I agree fully. And and I'm raising four boys. And um I have a really great husband who's a wonderful very involved father and we are far from perfect we are very imperfect parents and and perfect sinner so um but i i notice even as young as they are that they notice um they're they're eight about to be nine down to three and they you know i'm i'm noticing that they notice that you know people don't have a dad and and they they don't have this influence in their life. And they understand, even at a young age, how impactful that is yeah. and that it's not a good thing. And to me, that shows me that, you know, that's not something that we've taught them. That's something that they're able to notice and realize because of the way that God designed us to be raised. And yeah, you know, uh, <clears throat> My kids, we were fortunate. We 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 ran with a group of people where, mm-hmm. yeah, how we're supposed, how families are supposed to be. Right. And it's, it's frustrating to me that that is so looked down upon by so many entities that claim to want to be helping our youth, and that's really challenging for me to grasp individual as an as a person. <laughs> well, and, the, and human nature is, is you know we want to go to the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we kind of justify things and we go to a path of least resistance, but, it, you know, to t- help single kids that come up in single parent families, they need someone to walk alongside of them. You know, right. when I was in the city, we became, you know, I used to call it being an adult friend. 
mm-hmm. to a teenager and they walk alongside of them and, and give them an example of, you know, of integrity and character and hard work and right is right and wrong is wrong. And we don't, do, you know what I mean? And just kind of setting that out so that they've got something to shoot for mm-hmm. um, is, is vital. But you know what? That's really, really hard. It takes a lot of work. And so what we do, I feel like we've done as a society is we we've tried to entertain kids to keep them out of trouble. Well, that doesn't work except when they're actually being entertained and you can't entertain them all the time. We need to teach them the life skills. So right. they do that. And we need to put honor back in, in men standing with their family and taking care of their family and sticking with it. I mean, listen, I've been married 32 years and nothing in my life has come easy and we have gone up and down and all over the place, but we stayed the course. Mm-hmm. And I see it paying off in my, my kids now. And so, um, as a society, we really are going to have to get back to that. Now, there's some stuff in place that can really help. You know, coaches can have a huge impact on kids um, beyond making them a good football player, or basketball player, or whatever. They've got an opportunity to really speak into their lives. The question is, are they? And so right. it's the same with the Boy Scouts. It's the same with there's a lot of different things. And so if anybody's going to be involved with working with kids, we need to back up and say, listen, with fatherless kids, you need to win the right to be heard. When the me- when love is felt, the message is heard. So you need to love them well and speak into their lives. Mm-hmm. Win that right to do that. And that's how we change it. But we're only going to change it person to person, one at a time, which is a daunting task, but it doesn't matter. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and what do you think that, you know, and what are some specific ways that as citizens who care about this and it matters and two things, first of all, what do you think as, as a, as a, someone who's so concerned about this, you grew up without a dad, you have kids of your own and you worked in this space. Um, first of all, how can we encourage fathers that might be struggling with their significance because and because I think that's a big problem is that we have demasculated men so much that mm-hmm. they are terrified of responsibility and no. um, how can we begin in adolescence and, and well obviously it begins before that but how can we um, what are some ways that we can encourage and help hold dad's men accountable in a loving, encouraging way to understand how important they are in that role and that, yes, they can do it, even though it's hard. Well, I think there's a few things that we can do. First of all, we need to, I know when, um, one, of the, so it's kind of a two-part question. One of the things that I did is when our kids started to see people with a single parent situation, mm-hmm. you know, I would tell them, now you listen, you invite them to everything that we do, and you make sure that they are always welcome here mm-hmm. in a safe place. So, so as parents, one of the things we can do is just keep our eyes peeled, and and when we see that, recognize that because you'll just never know. Um, you know, I know for me growing up, one of the greatest impacts was um, I worked when I was a teenager for a, a landscape company. It was a family business. And um, 
by this time, my parents had been divorced probably eight years. We'd been through the ring or our, I mean, divorce about crushed us. They invited me to go on a family vacation with them. Wow. It's the first time that I sat and they treated me just like everybody else. It was the first time that I had been in a healthy family and saw them work and saw how it was. And I remember thinking, that's how I want to be. Wow. You know, and I had come to a point where I realized I was never going to have it for me as the kid, but I could have it the other way. So that's, that's the kind of impact that parents currently can have. The other thing we need to do with our kids, but, but whether we're involved in a church or boy Scouts or whatever, when we see men that are doing what they're supposed to be doing, we need to lift them up. We need to Mm -hmm. say, listen, that's the example. You know, I, I, I'll never forget um, Howard Hendricks. He's a pastor who long since died, but I was at a, an event he was preaching at back in the early nineties. And he, he made this statement. He said, yeah, my son, my son came in and he asked me, he said, dad, can I put a poster of Michael Jordan up on my bedroom wall? And he Mm -hmm. said, son, when Michael Jordan pays for your food, for your house, for your clothing, puts a, puts a, uh, and is is taking care of you, you can put a picture of him up on your wall. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and his point was, and he was speaking to men, he said, listen, we have the wrong heroes. I appreciate that this man is a great athlete, but the heroes are the men that stand in the lives of their families and their kids. They love their life, their wife well. They love their kids well. They lead by example. They take responsibility. You know, I ha- I came up with the definition for my kids, uh, for manhood. It said a man <clears throat> is someone who rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and expects the greater reward, God's reward. I love that. Can you say that one more time? That's so good. We need to hear that repeated. (laughs) A man is somebody who rejects passivity, who, um, now you got me confused, who accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and expects the greater reward, God's reward. Wow, that's really good. So we've become a society where we have short-term, we want instant gratification. Well, you know, we slugged, I slugged it out for all these years and it's kind of, it seemed kind of thankless and everything. But now that my kids are out of the house, they're coming back to me and they're starting to realize, wow. Yeah. Well, here's something you don't know, Jeff. I've got to tell you a story about one of your kids. You don't know this. I told your wife, Um, your son, Noah, Back in the day when I used to work at Cranky's Coffee all the time, I uh, I always thought he was the best kid ever when he made my lattes. <laughs> and you don't know this, but so there's your there's your dad pat on the back. He was so respectful and kind and just um, wanted to serve and do his job. And he made the best lattes. So there you go. There's, <laughs> there's my compliments to you. Uh-huh. Um, Thank uh, you. That, He's a great that's kid. A true story. I didn't learn he was your son until about a year ago. And I was like, that's that great kid that used to make my latte. So um, <laughs> thank you. But, yeah. Yeah. You are quite welcome. You and Julie did well. But um, the other thing that I wanted to address as we, as we, you know, come to a close is, um, you know, I think that it's important to recognize the role that women can sometimes play in this as well. Yep. And I see it happening 
um, with my work with our local pregnancy center and um, elsewhere as well, just in life, that as women, we need to understand, yes, we can do all the things, but we still, like you said, we cannot step in and be a dad. And I think it's very important that as women, we are encouraging the relationships that our kids can have with their dads, regardless of how difficult and inconvenient it is for us, unless there are safety issues. And I mean, obviously there are, are, you know, notes that need to be taken on that. So this is not an end all be all, but as much as is possible, if there is a biological father that wishes to have a relationship with their child, we need to do everything we can to encourage that and help them to be as involved as much as they can. Not for that man necessarily, but for the child, because I think in the end it matters so much. And um, because we live in this society where I think we get feminism backward, um, it can be very, and it can almost be encouraged to cut men off and say, I can do this better by myself. And I don't think that the kids win in the end when that's what we do. And I'm certainly not trying to say that I understand everyone's situation. And I know it's probably easy to say, well, that's what she thinks because she's never done this before. But I just think that in general, everything shows that the more that we can encourage relationships, especially with sons, but daughters too, it matters. There are all kinds of things with daughters without dads too. Yeah. um, That we need to encourage those relationships the, as much as we possibly can. So. Yeah, and I'll tell you, give you a great two, two examples. First of all, I think one of the things women can do is, is exactly what you said. But if you're in a situation where the man's just gone, watch for men that are a good example that are, you know, when you're out there with your kids, whether it's sports or boy scouts or whatever it is going to church, you'll see men and families that are, Doing well, get to know them so that your mm-hmm. kids have the opportunity to see and have it modeled to them what it to be, and and that that person can pour into their life, and and you can't make that happen, but you can make you can create the opportunity for it to happen. The other thing I'll tell you, you're right about women and, and girls of fatherless homes. One of the things that the first time that that really I really understood that or saw it was when we did the ministry in the city, we had volunteer leaders and we were very, very strict guys with guys, girls with girls. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want any, any issues. And so I would go up to a high school where we would hang out in the morning. And after <clears throat> I got really involved in ministry, I probably knew about 600 kids. And so everybody knew who I was. So I get up there and all of a sudden, what starts happening is I'm standing there <clears throat> and girls are coming. We're standing there talking. I have a couple guys with me, but there'd be 15 girls. Mm-hmm. And I, it got to the point where it got so bad. I had to tell my leaders, I said, look to the girl leaders. I said, listen, you need to come to the school with me because it's just not good for me to be up there talking with all these girls. Well, what it was, was I was a safe, married man. Mm-hmm. Only one in their life. Right. And they they once they sensed that it wasn't that I was some kind of great thing. It was something that they hadn't encountered before. But guess what? They were attracted to it. Yeah. And and, and so I think it's the same way, you know, when I see women who maybe um, are single moms and they have two girls. They they can 
it, they don't feel like oh, they, I always hear women say, well, I got to get my boys around men. Well, you know what? You, your girls need to be around men, too. That are mm -hmm. That's and true. That's really good. It's just really, really, really vital. And so it's, it's interesting. It's kind of like uh, manhood and fatherhood is this linchpin that holds it all together. And when we pull it out and throw it away, everything starts to come apart. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, that's the other thing that the, we've already talked about this, but it is so important to um, help our boys, uh, regardless of if there's a husband involved or not, to understand what their ultimate role is as as men, even if we haven't had good experiences with men. And I think that can be really difficult for some women. Um but like you said, find those who can invest into your kids or that you do want them to emulate. And and sometimes it's hard, you know, it's not always fun to ask for help. But just like anything else, I think that um, as as the church, as citizens, we should be offering our help and we should also be willing to ask for help because we all need it sometimes. And um, I think that that's a great way too. And, and for men to recognize when you see those single moms that are bringing their kids to church or or soccer or whatever to do your best to invest a little bit of time into those kids. Cause sometimes a small investment can make a huge difference too. Uh, huge. The other thing I would add is, is don't assume, you know, for me, I had great examples of what not to do. Mm -hmm. you know? And then I, but I also saw these people of what to do. So I didn't come into marriage or fatherhood really knowing what I was doing, but I was determined that I was not going to be, the way my dad was. I was determined that I was going to do it. And so I had to look for things. One resource that, that we used in our family that was great is a book called Raising a Modern Day Knight. Hmm. And um, I forget the name of the author now, but, but that talks about how, you know, with a knight at eight years old, you became a page. And then at 13, you became a scribe. And then at 18, you became a knight. And so it was the, it was them, um, um, teaching more and more responsibility. And so we kind of created a little process with that. And we had an event when they were eight, we had an event when they were 13, and then we had an event when they were 18. And mm -hmm. uh, it was wonderful. And it really kind of helped give them the vision for what does manhood look like. They came out with a book later called Raising a Modern Day Maiden. And um, oh. It was same thing, same similar principles, but for young ladies. And so anyway, I throw that at you because I don't want people to listen to this and have a young family and a guy sitting there going, yeah, well, I grew up in a mess like I did. I have no idea what I'm doing. Listen, it's okay if you don't know what you're doing, as long as you acknowledge that and go find people that do know what they're doing and, and game on. <laughs> you get right out at this. Let's let's go for the glory. Right. And I think that's just the last a closing note is none of us is going to parent perfectly, not even for 10 minutes a day. So um, and encouraging one another, men, dads, moms, you know, to be the best that we can be in the situations that we're in, bringing to the table all what we have and, and depending a lot on on prayer and wisdom and, and, and godly counsel and all those things that are so important for us to thrive in communities and um just to know that our, our best is good enough and it matters. So 90%, 90% of it is getting in the game. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just show up and be in attendance. You need to be in the game. 
And that's, that's 90% of it is, is you get involved and you, and you do it. And I mean, listen, I've not been a perfect parent by any stretch of the imagination, but you know what I loved above all else. I loved my kids well. And, mm -hmm. and I hope that, that, you know, time will tell truth and time walk hand in hand, but uh, that they will demonstrate that that was the right choice. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I sure appreciate your time today. We're so grateful for the way I'm personally very grateful for the ways that you're fighting for us in Raleigh. And um, <laughs> thank you for that. Oh, <laughs> but I welcome. think it's really important to take a step away from some of that sometimes and know who you are as a dad and a person. And so thank you for spending time with us today. Really appreciate your insight and advice. And I hope we can catch up again sometime. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.